0: there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Martin. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! Uh, We are going to continue with a series that we've been in. This will be week number three entitled The Five Seasons. Um, We've got the the idea for the series from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, which simply says, uh, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Uh, We've also been going to Psalm 90.10 every week, where Moses writes, The years of our life are 70, or by some reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. And so what we've been saying for the duration of this series is, in America, the average life expectancy, when you round it up, is about 80 years old. And so when you talk about the four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter, it's very easy to divide them into 20-year increments. So far, we've looked at the spring season of life. That would be youth. We've looked at the summer season of life last week, which would be adulthood, and today we're going to tackle the fall season of life. So that would be those of you in here who are 41 to 60 years old. We call that middle-aged. It's probably more appropriate to call it middle adulthood. This is a very weird season of life uh, because this is where your past, your present, And your future begin to collide. It's during the fall season of our lives, 41 to 60 years old, um, that we begin to come to many different crossroads that bring past, present, and future together. Uh, It's during this season of life we begin to ask a lot of questions, some about the past, some about the present, some about the future. We ask questions like this, have I achieved everything I wanted to achieve? In other words, in my career, have I gone as far as I want to go? In my community, with my family, in my marriage? We ask questions uh, about the past or about the future. Uh, Do I have any dreams that are still left unfilled? Are there still things that I want to do? Uh, Am I starting to scratch off my bucket list or are there there still a lot of things that, that I want to do in the future? We ask questions about our past. When we get to be middle-aged. Like, can my mistakes of the past be redeemed? In other words, maybe you were the best parent to your child and you have a fractured relationship. Uh, Can that relationship be redeemed? Or, Or perhaps one of you in your marriage stepped outside of your marriage and had an affair. And you begin to ask, can I reconcile this with my spouse? That My mistakes of the past. Our past sins begin to kind of haunt us. And so we have to ask the question, is God's grace big enough? We also ask questions like, are my accomplishments fulfilling? What do I want to do here on the back nine of my life with the latter part of my life? We begin to prioritize, right, our time, our money, our location, our commute to work, you know, when we're younger, it doesn't matter how far we have to drive to go to work. But when you get middle-aged, you know, uh, that, that, that factors in. We begin to ask, am I fulfilling my purpose? And so past, present, and future are just really kind of colliding together. Middle-age is a season of change. So if you were here last week and we talked about those of you in the summer of your life, um, 21 to 40, we said the word for you was busy because you're changing diapers and you're taking kids here and, and you're just so, so busy. Well, the word for those of us who are in the fall season of our lives would be change. Change. I want you to think about fall time for a minute. It's, just, it's coming in a couple of months here in Georgia. But fall is a season of dramatic change, right? The leaves change color. The weather changes. The smell in the air changes. Daylight changes. It gets less and less day after day. We even change the time. We fall back in the fall. So it's a, it's a huge season of change but it's also a huge season of change for us. Like Much like the leaves change color, your hair may change color. Or it may just <laughs> fall out altogether. Bald is beautiful, baby. Um, right? Uh, your body begins to change. Many of you ladies will go through menopause. Many of us men will have low testosterone. We won't have enough uh, energy. Uh, Our weight changes. We fill out. All right, so get a picture of yourself if you're my age when you were 20, and then a picture of yourself now, and look how fat your face has expanded. All right, we just, our bodies change. Our homes change. We're no longer rearing little, little, we're not shepherding little hearts. They're teenagers or college students or they're adults. And so empty nest sets in. I was having dinner with one of our elders, Todd Hyman, uh, this past week. And uh, he was talking to me about his daughter, Sarah. Uh, I've known Sarah basically her whole life uh, in the South, we say, I've known you since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. Uh, and so I've watched Sarah grow and grow and grow. And uh, Todd was telling me at dinner, uh, he was kind of reflecting, he's, and he said, I've got nine months. In nine months, my baby girl is going off to college. She, she's leaving us. This is a huge season of change. When we get into middle age, our outlook on life changes. Sometimes we play it safer than we did when we were younger. Sometimes we, we get grumpy. Uh, that's my prayer uh, above all other things. Is as I get old, I do not want to be one of those men. Get off my lawn. I, I just don't want to be. I want to grow better, not bitter, a, as I get older. And so with the fall season of life, there's just so much change. And let me let you in on a little secret. People naturally do not like change. That's why we call it a midlife crisis, because everything around us is changing, and it can become hard to deal with. And it's during the fall season of life that we begin to grow nostalgic. Uh, We begin to look back on our past with a fondness, right, trying to kind of hang on to some of our youth. One of my favorite television shows is actually a show that was made for kids, uh, it's a show called Stranger Things. Now, I could care less about the plot line. I could take or leave the plot line of that show. But I love that show because it's set in 1983. And the characters on that show are 12 years old in the year 1983. Guess how old I was in 1983? I was 12. And so the fashion and the music and the lingo and all those things, all that, all, it brings back all of these memories. And so we often, during this season of life, look to our past to try to find comfort because everything is uncertain and changing in our future. This is a season of life, middle age, that's very dangerous because there's a change in many marriages. Romance fades, intimacy wanes. Divorce happens a lot during this season of life, in particular when the kids move out of the house, right? And so what you have is you have parents, and with all the love in the world, they try to pour it on their children. And maybe they invested too much in their children and not enough fertilizing their marriage. And so the last kid leaves the house, and you look over at that guy, and he looks over at you, and you're like, who are you? I don't even know you anymore. I don't even like you anymore, and and divorce happens. This is a dangerous time because affairs are very prevalent during the fall season of life. There's a biblical character named David. He was Israel's greatest king. Uh, he had triumph after triumph after triumph. He the Bible says that his heart beat after God's own heart. All right, but he was he was not. He didn't escape this fall season of, of change in his life. And he ended up seeing a very beautiful girl taking a bath when he was on his roof. So let's go there real quick. Second Samuel uh, chapter 11, verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. He saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is that not the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Okay, now if you know the rest of the story, David has them bring Bathsheba up to the palace. They engage in this very illicit affair. And this would absolutely wreck the second half of David's life. When you read David as a young man, as a, even as a boy, he has victory after victory after victory after victory. But once this affair sets in, David's life is an absolute train wreck. Now what's interesting is, is when you read commentaries on this, almost to a T, when they trace the timeline of David, do you know how old they believe David was when he had this affair? His late 40s. And Bathsheba was probably in her 20s. How often do we see that play out today? I would also say this. Affairs are not just prevalent for middle-aged men. They are also very prevalent amongst middle-aged women. According to Science Daily, affairs for married women skyrocket between the ages of 35 to 45 years of age because they're looking for more passion, they're looking for more romance, their husbands do not treat them or look at them the same as they did uh, pre-children, before, you know, before they went through the, the, the wreckage that a child will do to your body. All right? And so they're looking for something more. So marriage relationships change during this season. I mean, just everything you can think of changes. And what happens is this. When there's a lot of change in your life, peace dissipates. Nothing will rob us of our peace more than change. And so with that in mind, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, and we're going to pick up in verse 4. We've been through verses 1 through 3 the first couple of weeks. But we're going to go 4 through 8. Now we're going to read a verse and chat a little bit, read a verse, chat a little bit. And then we'll try to draw this all together at the end. So King Solomon writes this. This is David's son. He says... He's going through this lineage of there's a time for this, a time for that. He says in in verse 4, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. So Here's what he's saying. During this season of life, there are going to be good times, but there's also going to be hard times. You'll spend time crying and you'll spend time laughing. And the phrase that gets me when I read that verse is the phrase there's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance because during this fall season of life mourning and dancing are kind of intricately woven together so I want you to think about this those of you who are going through this 20 year span that I'm in right now it's highly likely that during the fall season of your life you will both dance at your daughter's wedding and also be standing around a graveside at your father's funeral. And it does it's not in any particular order. So during this season, there is definitely a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Verse 5 says there's a time to cast away stones. And there's a time to gather stones. I'm told that many tour guides in Israel, if you were to go... If you were to go and tour the Holy Land of Israel, a lot of the tour guides tell the exact same story. And here's, what, here's the story. They say this, legend has it that God gave stones to an angel and told him to distribute the stones all across the world. But the angel tripped and fell right over Palestine. And what what they're trying to get at is is that this is one of the rockiest parts of the world. There are rocks everywhere in the soil. And before a farmer could plow or plant, he or she would have to clear the rocks from the fields. And it was back-breaking labor. In fact, one of the strategies, if you had an enemy during this time, was you would go fill his field with stones. Just as reference, look at 2 Kings 2, verse 25. And they overthrew the cities, and on every good piece of land, every man threw a stone until it was covered. All right, so stones can be used for a bad thing. You're casting stones. They're used to hurt your enemy. But stones that aren't cast but gathered can be used for good. You can gather stones and use them to build walls and fences and houses. Now, stones in and of themselves are neither good or bad. They don't have a soul. It all depends on what we do with them. Many of us, I believe, spend the first half of our lives, the first 35, 40 years of our lives casting stones, scattering stones, We're trying to climb the corporate ladder. We're trying to get ahead in the rat race. We're trying to get financially ahead. And we don't really pay attention to those around us and those we might hurt along the way. We're just more impulsive and ruthless when we're younger. So let me just say this to those of you who are in this mid-season of life like I am. Uh, I I think middle-age season is not a time to scatter stones. I think it's a time to gather stones. It's a time to be constructive, not destructive, and not divisive. The fall season of life is a time to forgive and to forget. It's time to let things go, including your past sins and mistakes. He says at the end of verse 5, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So... In order to understand this, people in that part of the world, even today, when they greet each other, they openly show affection. They hug and they kiss each other on the face. When they say goodbye, they hug and they kiss each other on the face. So you could actually paraphrase this by saying there's a time to say hello and there's a time to say goodbye. Think about dropping your kid off if you took them to college the first time, those of you who are in this stage of life. You probably didn't want to leave them. There were probably some tears, and you embraced that child. You kissed the child on the top of the head. You didn't want to let them go. You were hugging because you were saying goodbye. But think about the first time they came home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever that holiday was. You ran out, and you threw your arms around them, and you embraced them, and you laid kisses on them. It's during this season of life that you might become a grandparent. And so you're saying hello to new little human beings that you are indirectly responsible for creating. But it's also during this season of life that some of your friends die. Your relatives get old and die. People are dropping like flies. So you're saying hello. You're saying goodbye. Verse 6. He says there's a time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. I love what one commentator, Warren Wearsby, says about this phrase. He says this, this phrase gives biblical authority for garage sales. There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. So I'm going to talk about this in just a second, a little more in detail. But uh, this, this past week, Thursday, Friday, and yesterday, um, we moved. Our, our, our family moved. Um, and I'm going to tell you this, we, threw, we went to the landfill probably twice as much as we went to the storage unit. There's nothing like living in a house for about 15 years and collecting a bunch of debris, and when you've got to move it, you really prioritize what's important, right? Do I want to pay to store this, or is it just cheaper to get rid of it? And so we got rid of a lot of stuff, and I got to tell you, it feels incredibly liberating. If I needed to move today, I could get two men in a truck or college hunks that haul junk to pull up in this storage unit, and we could be out of here in 30 minutes, We threw a lot of stuff away. There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. Verse 7, he says, there's a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. I'll just say this in passing for time's sake. Middle adulthood is not the time to tear. Middle adulthood is the the time to sow. It's the time to repair relationships. And as I've already said, perhaps... Things went wayward with your child and you don't even speak that much. Maybe it's over who they married or how they're living their life. It is time for you not to tear that relationship, but to sow it. Middle age is a time to to repair and sow bad habits that we may have collected over the last 40 years. He also says there's a time to keep silent. James, the brother of Jesus, said we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. You ever been in a meeting or been in a conversation and you've gotten so irritated you just blurted what came into your mind out of your lips? And then you go home and then you're up all night kind of rehashing that over and over again. Here's what I've found in in middle age. I have never, when I've gotten to that point, regretted keeping silent. Never. I've not lost any sleep over it. So there is a time to be silent. Verse 8 is interesting. He says, there's a time to love and a time to hate. Now, I want want you to stop and think about that for a minute because that sounds counterintuitive to the Christian faith. Wait a minute. We're not supposed to hate. God is love. So maybe Solomon doesn't know what he's talking about here. There's a time to love, but also a, a time to hate. So I ask you this to ask yourself. As a Christian, as a born-again believer bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, is is it permissible to hate certain things? Can you hate? I think you can. Look what Psalm 97.10 says. "O you who love the Lord, hate evil. Okay, now, I love what Jensen Franklin says about the matter. He says this, that... We should love what God loves and hate what God hates. Now, let me, let me just give you a disclaimer. We are not permitted, allowed at all to hate people. But we are allowed to hate what's evil. We are allowed to hate what evil does to the people we love. I don't know if any of you in here like flowers and you may, maybe you have these beautiful flower gardens. But those of you who are, who are gifted in growing flowers... You naturally hate weeds, right? Because what the weed is doing, it's trying to destroy the flower. It's trying to take the water and the nutrients away from the flower. And so you're going to hate weeds because what it does to your beautiful flowers. Or if that doesn't work for you, think about about it this way. The more a mother loves her child, the more she will hate the disease trying to kill that child. Does that make sense? So there's a time to love, a time to hate. He says again at the the end of verse 8, there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. You know, when you get to this middle-aged stage of life, especially the latter part of it, you've got some old wars that you've been fighting that might be over. Okay, so your kids are grown up and they're out of the house. Hopefully, right? (laughs) Hopefully, they're out of the house. Now, you still love them, but the weight of being 100% responsible for their well-being is off of you. Okay, so that old war is over. The war on your finances may be over when you get up around 55, 60 years old, right? You're not as broke at 60 as you were at 20. Chances are you're not eating ramen noodles and going to Taco Bell every other day. You're you're eating better. The war on finances is, is over. So old wars are coming to an end, but this fall season of life ushers in new wars. We're always going to be battling a- until we go home with Jesus. So one of the biggest wars that is waged during this season of life is the war on your body. The war in our body as winter starts to set in. Um, so <clears throat> I told you we moved uh, uh, into our in-laws' house. Uh, last night was our first night there, and everyone's like coming up to me saying, oh, I'm praying for you, you know, you got to live with your in-laws, and my response is, don't pray for us, pray for them, right? (laughs) Because they've got two grown adults, five children, two dogs, two cats, a snake, and a hamster that have all kind of come in and and, and encroached their territory. So I'm kind of proud of this. So we moved, and we didn't hire a moving company. It was me, my wife, and predominantly my son, Jay. We moved an entire household, either to the dump or to the storage, um, of, for seven people using a pickup truck and a minivan. That, that's all we used. And I was, I was regretting it when we were trying to load the, the front-loading uh, wash machine up into my truck, me and my son. Uh, we, we moved all of that in three, in three days, but I'm here to tell you, I can barely walk. I know you think I'm standing up here with confidence, but I am so, so sore. If I showed you, I've got bruises all over my body. Now, if I was 20 years old and we moved, I'd be playing basketball right now. But I can barely walk because the older we get, new wars set in. You can't hear like you used to hear. You can't see like you used to see. And just things are changing on your body. There's also a war that happens on your mind. You're not as quick-witted as you used to be. You can't process things as fast as, as you once uh, used to. You, you can't remember where you left your keys, even though you set them down a minute ago. Um, so there's this war on your mind. But also there's this war on your identity. We live in a very youth-driven culture. Like, if you're over 25 years old, in some people's eye, you are ancient right? Everything's about younger, faster. And so as you age, your identity changes. You you begin to realize, hey, I'm maybe not as important as I used to be at work. My words don't carry the weight they used to. They they follow the young whippersnapper now, right? That's a term we like to use to call young people. I hope I never use that term, um, by the way. So there's this time for war. There's always going to be war. But there is also in the text, And here's where we want to hone in on for just a couple minutes. A time for peace. And I want to end today by talking about peace during this fall season of life. We've given you springtime advice, summertime advice. Now I want to give you a little bit of fall advice. Uh, And these will go quickly. For those of you who are like, dude, your introduction was like 40 minutes long. Wind this thing down. Uh, I'm going to go quick. Uh, Three things, three pieces of, of advice during this season of change. Number one. You've got to make peace with yourself. You've got to stop warring against yourself. I have this awful habit of being incredibly self-critical. No matter what I do, it's never good enough. We've got to stop that. We've got to make peace with who we are. Newsweek reports that the average human being has 6,000 negative thoughts each day. Okay, so we... we say 6,000 negative things to ourselves every day, and most of them are self-critical, right? I'm not good enough. I'm going to get fired. I'm a terrible parent. My kid doesn't love me. I'm ugly. I'm fat. My husband doesn't even look at me. My wife won't even pay me. It's just all of these self-critical things, And, and we've got to learn to make peace with ourselves because if we don't have peace within ourselves, we're not going to have peace with anything else. The scripture we like to talk about when we talk about this subject is Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 31. In the, in the in verse 30, uh, they ask Jesus what the greatest commandment is, and he says to love God. The second is this, verse 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the prevailing theological thought is this. Is that a lot of people are not good or even capable of loving those around them because they don't love themselves and so they treat others just as they treat themselves with 6,000 negative comments. We've got to learn uh, to let go of the past. Those things that haunt you, those things that you may regret, those mistakes that you've made, let that stuff go. Forgive yourself and be comfortable in our own skin. Make peace with ourselves. Number two, This fall season of life is, is, I think, a time to make peace with others. Look what Paul writes to the Romans. He says, Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with who? All. So I just want to make a couple observations here. Paul says, if possible. Sometimes it's not possible, right? Sometimes there are people in your lives that are so toxic. The only thing you can do is love them from a distance. However, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, we're not asking you to go 50%, 50%. You go 100%. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says this. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, let me set the scene. You've done something wrong against somebody else. They've got something against you. All right? Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, listen, this is so important that that I want you to live at peace with, with everybody, with all. It's so important to me that I don't even want your worship. Don't come to church and drop money in the tithe and don't raise your hand. Don't even worship if you're at odds with someone else. If your brother has something against you, if you did wrong, go apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Make peace. He would say later down in the text, if you can't forgive them i won't forgive you so it's very imperative that we make peace with each other so those of you who have uh multiple children um you you realize you know especially as they get a little older sibling rivalry is just awful is it not um i mean it is just i I wasn't prepared for that that's the one thing i wasn't prepared for and so i'm the classic dad uh we'll load the five kids into a van And, like, we're getting ready to go to the beach or something. And and we won't even be on the interstate yet. And I'm pulling over. And I'm like, okay, we are going to turn this thing around because I cannot stand to hear you guys tear each other down. That's all you're doing is fighting. I even said one time, I'm trying to get you to paradise. If you would just shut up. I even said the word shut up, which I never tell my children. If you would just shut up, I will get you to paradise. And I got to thinking, is that what God thinks when He's looking down on us? (laughs) Like He just wants us to live at peace with each other. We're His children. He wants the best for you. I'm going to pull this world over. I'm trying to get you to I'm trying to get you to your final destination. So we live. uh, um, We make peace with ourselves. We make peace with others, and then finally, uh, and this may be the most important, we walk. In the peace of God. Go to Philippians. If you want to talk about a chapter in the Bible that speaks of peace, um, it's Philippians 4. And what's interesting is Paul writes this as he's about to be executed. Here's what he says in verse 5 and following. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here's the money phrase. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This isn't a circumstantial peace. This is a state of being. This is a peace given to us from our perfect, divine, heavenly Father. And he wants us to walk in the presence of his peace. It's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. He continues in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent, if there is any Thing worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me just stop and just go on a rabbit trail for like 30 seconds. So, I got off of all social media, all of it. I'm, I'm not on it, it's been about a month now, and I cannot tell you the piece that I have. And the reason I got off social media is because every time I got on it, I wasn't concentrating on what was true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. I, it was just absolutely robbing me of my peace. Okay, commercial over. Um, so he says, what you have learned and received, you have heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God is with us. We have to walk in that peace. He would tell the, church, uh, the Colossian church to let that peace rule their hearts. In other words, it's just not a a little compartment in your heart. It's the overarching theme of your heart. Let that peace rule in your heart. Look what he says, Colossians 3.15. And the peace of Christ, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called in one body, and be thankful. I love that because the peace of God in this scripture, we see that it's possible to walk in God's peace all the time. His peace can rule your heart. Instead of fears and anxieties and worries and doubts. However, and there is a however, it's a big however. It's something that takes a certain action on our part. So think of it this way. Think of World War II. And think about the, uh, when the Allied forces marched into Berlin uh, at the end of World War II. When they did that, peace came to the entire world. Because the Nazi German army surrendered unconditionally. So in order for us to have peace, particularly the peace of God in our lives, we must also surrender unconditionally. So let me say this, and it doesn't matter if you're in the spring, summer, fall, or winter of your life. If you don't feel God's peace in your life, it's probably probably because there's something left for you to surrender you haven't surrendered everything to god so we say it this way all the time about an idol worship an idol worship you you think of statues of stone and bronze an idol is simply this it's something that when you come to god you you have a closed fist and you say i'll do anything except not this right here i will not surrender this I will not surrender the safety of my children. I will not surrender my comfortable lifestyle. I will not surrender you, you, whatever it is to you. all right. And that will rob us of the peace of God. True peace comes when we have both hands open and we say, I just want to walk in your peace. I want to walk with you, God. Once we surrender and we walk in that peace, man, those of you who are there, you, you know... It is absolutely liberating. You can live Isaiah 26 3 today, which says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Fall season of life is where our past, our present, and our future collide. It gets messy, it's weird, there's a lot of change. It, but it's a time to be open to these unavoidable changes that come in our family, in our bodies, in our health, and the society that's going on around us. There's a lot of change that occurs. But if we can walk in God's peace, we're going to be at peace with ourselves and peace with others. So, uh, <clears throat> I've been kind of telling you we moved here. And... Uh, here's why we did this Uh, we we moved because uh, for years we have been wanting to you know try to have our own little piece of heaven like a few acres of land Um, and uh, and so we decided to do this when it's the worst time to buy a house I mean you cannot buy a house right now Um, and so we decided it's there's gonna be uh, some steps that we need to take one of which is to offload our house uh, and then be ready to pounce if we see something that, uh, you know, that we like. Um, and I thought I was doing well. I thought I was doing well. Uh, I was anxious. Um, let me back up. Uh, I'm in this season of change in my life. I just turned 50. Uh, maybe that's something to do with it. I, I don't know. But I'm in this season of change where I can see God is, going, is changing me professionally. God is moving me uh, personally like my whole life is just kind of racked with change, much of which I've done to myself, right? I didn't have to move. All right, so I thought I was doing well. Well, Wednesday was going to be my last day at work here this week, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday we're going to move. And so if you remember Wednesday, uh, we had some thunderstorms that came through Hiram that were just awesome. I mean, it was wind, and it was rain, and so one of the things that I like to do that's maybe weird to some people is I like to sit out in thunderstorms. Not like out in the open, but like on a covered porch or something. And so we have uh, in this little brick building out front, we've got an awning uh, that faces Poplar Springs Road. And so I'm like, you know what? I I was feeling a certain kind of way. I was not feeling at peace with myself. I was not feeling God's peace, right? And, And all that. So what I like to do is sit in thunderstorms when they, when they appear. So I'm out there. I mean, it is raining. It is thundering and lightning. Our production guy, Matt, I see him like peering through the hallway down. Like, what is he doing? And he comes out and he's like, what are you doing? I said, i like to sit in thunderstorms. we you're going to get struck by lightning, you know, be careful. And I was like, okay. And he, he left it. Um, but when I was sitting there, I, I, all I could remember, and this is going to be weird because I don't get attached to things, was about 14 and a half years ago, walking into the house that we are now selling, Lindy having an 18-month-old little girl in her arm, and I had a three-month-old boy in my arm. And the excitement and the hope as we walked into that house, and we spent almost 15 years there watching our kids grow, and I didn't think it was going to bother me to leave a, a house because it's just a house. It's just wood wood. And whatever else they use, glass. Whatever else they use to build a house, that's all it is. But I have been just struggling because of that, and some professional changes, and just some things in my life. And so I'm sitting out there, and it is just pouring down rain. And I'm, I'm, you know, after after Matt left, I'm in tears. And I'm like, I don't know, God, is it too late? Can I just call the people who put a contract on my house and say, uh, never mind? You can't do that. They're excited. And so I'm sitting there and I'm praying to God and I just, I'm like, God, I just feel like, you know, I'm sitting in this storm, but I just feel like a lot of it's self-induced. The storm is just swirling around me. And then this big bolt of thunder just cracks and lightning. It kind of gets my attention and the rain is just pouring, pouring down. And so here I am, I'm looking on Poplar Springs Road, all right, and you, I mean, you, it is just torrential downpour. Here's how people are driving. It's a, it's a two hands on the steering wheel moment, right? And they're all hunched over and they're going really slow. Some of them has their hazard lights on. You know, and I get it. I get it. I mean, it was just pouring. But here I am just sitting under this shelter in the storm. I'm completely dry. I, I'm not white knuckling a steering wheel. And it was as if God said, Kevin, this is your life. Like, you don't have to white-knuckle your way through life. When you do that, you're trying to to move on your own accord with your own merit. Don't be like that. In your life, live in peace. Realize that storms are going to come. But I've got you. I am the shelter of the Most High. You can hide in me. I will keep you safe. I will keep you dry. I will keep you in peace even when there's things that are unpeaceable going on in your life. I've got you. Let me take control. A few more tears and walked in and now I'm a homeless person. (laughs) I'm one bad mother-in-law joke away from being homeless, right? No. (laughs) But it was the peace of God they got me through that. And so I just want to say this to you. And I'm not just speaking to those who are in middle age. You can be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, whatever you are. Maybe you're in this season where your heart's not at peace. And I just want to say maybe, just maybe, it's because you're either not at peace with yourself, you're not living at peace with others, or you're not walking in God's peace. You've got something closed in your hand. I just want to encourage you to let all that go. Paul says, in the peace of God, which, which transcends all understanding. Your world could be crumbling down around you and all you can say is, well, I got Jesus, I'm good. I want that peace for you. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us on what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.